God is with us. This has been our series. Excited to talk a little bit more about it today. What I like about this series is I'm so thankful we don't have a God who's just, oh, we have God who's out there watching us, even though he is. And I've said this every week. I'm so grateful that our God isn't just God who's over here interceding on our behalf, even though he is. Uh, we have a God who's his name, his name, his nature, who he is, is a God who's with us participating with us in life. It's been his desire from the beginning. You see, when he created the garden, he created Adam and Eve and he put him in there. You read in Genesis that it says that God was with them, that his voice was with them in the garden. His desire is to be with us. He created us to be with us. And then you saw sin happened. And so God emptied heaven with his son, Jesus, his perfect son, to redeem our relationship so that we could be together because God can't be with sin. Amen. And then if you read John 3, 16, and you look at the rest of the scripture, it says that he did all of this so that we could spend eternity with him. We, we, we choose Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and then God with us through eternity. His desire has always been to be with us. And so that's where we get the scripture. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God's God with us. God is with us. He's the God who's with us. And I'm grateful for that because it matters. Today, we're going to talk about how God is with us, even through our stress, even through the stressful seasons. Yesterday marked 10 days. Today is nine days away from Christmas. And some of you might already be feeling that pressure, the stress of, oh, I'm going to have to see people, or we're going to have to do this and get this ready and, and just all the pressure, which is interesting because what Christmas is, is it's the celebration of our Savior who came to save us. Yes, he came to save us for salvation and for heaven, but he also came to show us a better way to live. So isn't it interesting? We're trying to celebrate Christmas, and we were sent a Savior who saves us from all of this mess, yet this season turns into one of our messiest messes. He's the Savior who came to save us, and we celebrate him as the one who showed us the best way to live, but like we've made, the, are you with me? just the stress and the mess and all the crazy in it when it should be focused on him and the gift that he is. And so I want to talk about stress. Stress is not uh, God's design. It's not his plan for us, whether it be at Christmas or any time of our life. And so this will be pretty practical. I have some practical points, but here's what I often laugh at as a pastor. A lot of people like to say this, and we even prayed it here a minute ago because I do believe it. But a lot of people say this, oh, the devil, he's getting me again. Oh, the devil, he's really after me. The, uh, the devil... A lot of times, the mess-ups and the things that are going wrong in our life aren't even so much the devil as it is just us. We're not keeping good margin. We're not making good decisions. We've made our own mess. Are you with me? And so what I don't want to do today is I don't want to come in here and, and talk about stress and talk about how to handle stress and how God is with us in our stress. I don't want you guys to go hear the sermon and go, oh, man, he's right. I am dealing with stress and then walk out of here. What I want us to do is not identify that we have stress. I want us to identify that God is with us in the answer. And then we go back out of here and make changes. Does that make sense? So as much as you're going to go, oh, yeah, maybe stress, or maybe I do face stress, or whatever, uh, I want us to hold more truth to that God is with us, and he can help us in it. Amen. I realize it's Christmas, and, and family brings up different pressure, or maybe you have a loss, and there's all of this stuff. But you have God who's with you in all of it. Amen. First thing I need you to know is this, that you cannot live a stress-free free life. There's no such thing as no stress. There's no such thing. There's no book I could read you. There's no strategy I could teach you. Stress is a part of our life. And there's no amount of Bible reading you could do or worshiping you could do to live a completely stress-free life. Stress is just a part of it. Amen. 
but God with us in our stress is what we're going to talk about. The definition of stress is this. Stress is the pressures of life and how one perceives, believes, reacts, and copes with those pressures. You have a choice about how you're going to perceive. You have a choice about how you're going to believe. You have a choice about how you're going to react and a choice about how you cope with all of these pressures called life. Are you with me? Well, who can help us in those? God with us can help us in how we choose to react and cope and all of those things. Amen. The Christmas story is actually a great example of there's no such thing as stress-free. Do you remember God's plan? The scripture says that he chose Mary and Joseph and he chose them because they were so worthy to carry the gift of Jesus. So here's Mary and Joseph. They're so perfect. And the blessing, the blessing on their life was they were chosen to do these next few things. What were these next few things? Well, one day for Joseph, an angel shows up to him and says, hey, by the way, your girlfriend, your fiance, teenage one, by the way, is going to become pregnant by God and you're going to give birth to the Savior. Wow. But imagine that for Joseph. He's got to walk around town talking to people. Hey, your fiance, your girlfriend's pregnant. Yeah, God did it. <laughs> like, what? Did he really just try to say it's God who did that? Think of the stress and the pressure among people and family. You know, we think because you got to go to that party and see some family, you're stressed out. This guy had to live trying to tell people that God is the one who got his girlfriend pregnant. They're stressed with that, right? Now, again, the blessing and they were chosen and God's hand was on them. And one of the ways that you could tell that God did that was because not only after being pregnant by God, they then had to escape through a desert because that child was threatened to be murdered. You guys remember the story? Oh, because God's hand was so on their life and he was so blessing them and chose them. They then had to escape from the, how many know moms who are pregnant and you know the whole nesting thing? How many know if I came to you and said, hey, you're pregnant, guess what we get to do? We get to run through a desert and flee our nest. I mean, no, that brought some stress on Mary. Are you with me? But remember, God's blessing them. His hand was on them. He was leading them. Oh, and so finally, though, when they got through the desert, they got to Hotel Hallelujah. And it was the place where they could be born and she could get her epidural and everything worked out just fine. <laughs> oh, wait, no. It was a barn. It was a manger. There was stress involved even in the Christmas story. But God was with them. Are you with me? And so I'm just trying to lay the, found, the, the, the foundation of this, like, just because they're stressed or just because there's things in it, we're not in the process of eliminating all stress. What we are in the process of is saying on this journey of life and the things God calls me to, God is my teammate in this stress. He's alongside me. He can be with me. Are you with me? And so God's plan sometimes causes us to walk through stress. Uh, and again, be careful. Some of it is what we do to ourselves. I thought about this. I did some study. It was psychological. Uh, psychologist and some other stress articles, and we'll, we'll all connect to these. But they were doing studies about how much Americans carry stress, how much we've made it a common part of our day to, to carry stress. They said this when it comes to sleeping. Do you know that your body, you were created to, uh, they say, fall into rest? But in scripture, when we say someone fell into rest, it meant they died. But, uh, but when I use the term fall into rest, it means literally you get to your bed and you lay down and you just fall asleep. Now, some of you are like, that's impossible. It's not impossible because if you've ever been on vacation, say you're on the shore, the lake shore, you're, maybe you got a beach towel, you get out, you, or you're on vacation, you get in the hammock or you get in that thing, you just lay down and you got no worries, you're not thinking about anything. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you've just fallen asleep, Right? It's just that perfect rest that you've entered into. 
That's the way that you're created to, to fall into rest. Here's what they did in this sleep study. They said this. They said if you fall asleep if in your sleeping patterns as they studied people, if you're somebody who when you're sleeping, you're like clenching your jaw. You're just you're laying there and you have a clenched jaw. Uh, you have active stress in your life. Uh, if you're somebody, and, and this is probably a little bit more me, if you're somebody who's laying, you get in the bed, and, you, and you, you're like almost hugging your pillow. You just have it in a grip as you're, as you're falling asleep. Uh, you have active stress in your life. If you're somebody who you pull the covers up tight and you hold them really, uh, and I'm not judging anyone. You guys are all looking at me that I'm like rebuking you. I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm saying. Uh, I was like, I don't do that. I don't. I'm just saying there's active stress in your life. If, if you aren't somebody who can just get into your bed and just lay into rest, there's active stress in your life. We all do these things. There's just other things you do. You lay there and you think about things and you worry about things and you, there's active stress in your life. Here's some more that they say are signs of active stress. If you've eaten more than three meals this week in a hurry, you have active stress in your life. If you've eaten more than three meals in a hurry, are you, some of you are like, just today? Or just today? Have you eaten three? Three meals in a week in a hurry, you have active stress in your life. If you've rushed to get dressed more than three times in a week, you have active stress in your life. You have no margin. You have no space. You have no rest. Everything is in a rush. If you've been almost late more than three times in your week, almost late, you've been in a hustle, you've been in a rush because you're almost about to be late. It's because you don't have a good margin. You have active stress in your life. Forgot to return a phone call or a text back to somebody that was important. You have active stress in your life. There's a difference between forgetting to call back and then choosing not to call back, by the way. <laughs> this one I think is impossible, but they said that someone without active stress in their life would have the ability to recall their last seven evenings. So if I came over to the mic right now, I'd be like, tell me what you did last night, Friday night, Thursday night. I can't even count backwards, like, to that many days. <laughs> You know, some of you can't even remember last night, and we'll talk about that in a few more points. <laughs> but seven days in a row, you have active stress in your life. Why does that matter? It matters because things get clouded. How are we ever going to hear God? How, if we're always in a rush, if, we're all, if our pace is always off, and if what you're doing is you're justifying stress instead of being in that rest with God. Amen? 73% of doctors' diagnosis, somebody comes in and they have a problem, 73% of the diagnosis are stressed or rest-related. Somebody comes in and they have an issue. The doctors say, hey, you know what's causing this? You're either not getting enough rest or you have too much stress. They tell you that every time you go to the hospital. They say, hey, da-da-da, we got this figured out. Now, what's going to be really important for you is that you get rest or that you get stress out of your life. Get the stress out of your life. Uh, there's a book we read, Addicted to Busy, uh, a couple years ago. And uh, one of the statements they make in there is this. We're created to take sabbaticals. We're created to take rest. We're created to have rhythms of rest. And they said this, if you don't follow God's law about that, taking rest, and you don't choose to take it, your body will take it for you. The problem is it's in the form of a heart attack or a stroke, or a, right? Because you just weren't created to go, 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 go. God created us to rest. Amen. Think about this. They say the things that people uh, are made a part of their day just to get through a day. You, it'd be so much stress in your life. Antacid is required. Caffeine is required. People come in and they're looking for the next supplement to what? Give them more energy. Give them more alertness. Give them more what? Because they have so much stress in their life, they're just trying to make it. It's not God's best. Amen. We're called to depend on Emmanuel, God with us. That's where we draw our strength. That's where we draw what we need. Amen. 
Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Thank God. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We love the Mighty God. We love Everla- We love all those big things. But think about Wonderful Counselor. God with us, our Counselor. I said Wonderful Counselor. It didn't say Judgmental Counselor. It didn't say angry counselor. You know, you went to kids camp and you had that counselor who was just so mean to everyone. Nobody gets to have fun. Study your memory verse. (laughs) Wonderful counselor. A wonderful counselor. One that you would want to go to. My wife and I see a counselor. Uh, I just believe this to be a Christian in this world. Uh, You need to have the Holy Spirit and you need to have a good counselor. Amen. And uh, there's just too much to try to figure out. And uh, And so we go to see a counselor. And here's what she does in our life. She says, come in, we sit down and she says, so tell me what's been going on. Tell me how, how are things been? What you guys been up to? How are things going? Why? She wants to know. She wants to be with us. She's, she's saying, I'm your, I'm your counselor. I'm a wonderful counselor. I want to know what's going on. I want to participate in how your life has been going. And then she gets to do what? Offer advice. She gets to be the person that we receive advice from. Am I making sense? Well, that's the picture here of the Savior that we've been sent is a wonderful counselor who you're going, oh, man, I got to go to this party or we're not going to go to this party or we're going to see these people and not these people. You get to go to your wonderful counselor and say, hey, what do you think? Help me. Give me some advice here to help with the stress. Amen. I know this is practical. I know this is really simple, but it matters. It matters that we get it right. And here's why it matters. Uh, not in my notes, but here's why it really matters. I'm not up here being like, oh, I want to give him a self-help talk. I don't want him to be stressed. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be the proper light that you're called to be in these environments. If you're walking around with that resting Christian face, no one's going to want to hear from you, <laughs> right? Everybody's cranky about everything. You're judging everything. You're all bitter about stuff. This is why we got to get it right. This is why we got a proper margin because God needs you to be the proper light. Amen? So I love that he's a counselor. He's, he's with us. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 33 in the Passion Translation says this, uh, John 16, 33, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you, God with us, the peace that's in him will be in us because God's with us, and will be, and will be, the peace that's in you will be, and will be your great confidence as you rest in me. For in unbelieving, in the unbelieving world, you will experience trouble or stress and sorrows, but you must be courageous for I have conquered the world. Here's the point. Keep your peace. Don't be stressed. Let let the God who conquered, because he's saying, I overcome the world. I overcome all of these things that you're stressed about. I've handled all of that. And I want the peace of me being able to handle that. I want that to be in you so that you have great confidence. But notice what it said. Peace of God in us gives us confidence while we rest. Rest is a part of this equation. We love God has not given us a spirit of fear. We love I can do all things through Christ, that I'm made a conqueror. We love all that kind of stuff. We get all heroic, but just as much of an act of faith is us being a people who are confident to rest in God, to be able to say, this is the boundary that I'm staying in with God. This is my boundary, and I'm going to rest in him. Am I making sense? So it's important for us to rest in him. Three truths about stress. And then I have four points to kind of help us in our mission. You should write all of these down. I know you guys are great note takers and you go back and you study these because you want these truths to be in your heart and you want to hide them and retain them all throughout the week. So um, get out your devices and your notepads. Oh, you watch it all online, right? I know you watch it later, so you're good. You're just gonna... 
Truth number one, not all stress is harmful. We need to know that off the bat. If you're trying to live a stress-free life, it's impossible. I already mentioned that. But some people will miss all that God has for them because they say no to everything because they think stress shouldn't be a part of their life. Blessed life means perfect life. We say no to everything because we want to live the blessed life. That's not possible. Healthy things grow. And in growing, that means stretching. And a lot of times, stretching is stressful. Amen? If you're avoiding growth, if you're not growing, that means you're dying. Are you with me? So you just got to get comfortable with the process of, we got to grow a little here. We got to stretch a little here. A little bit of stress is good because it's refining me. Amen. Point number two, too much stress is harmful. Too much stress is harmful. This is the point that I was talking about where we all think we're just overcomers and we're going to be the Terminator and we're going to be Iron Man and we're, we're, nothing can stop us. We can do whatever. There's enough five-hour energy. We can make it through anything. Are you with me? Are you with me? We all know those people. We all know those mindsets that we get into. We just say, we can handle it all. There's no such thing as too much stress. Let's just conquer. And here's the problem with long-term stress. If you allow long-term stress to be a part of your life, it starts changing who you are. The problem with long-term stress is then you make choices about things, and those things can become addictions. So you say, oh, uh, because I'm stressed and I got all this stuff and all this stuff, stuff, I need to do this in this season. And you start making an excuse for why you're doing this, and then all of a sudden that thing becomes the new addiction. The other thing that you do in it is new behaviors start happening. You used to be this way, but you're so stressed and you got so much pressure and there's no margin and you have too much active stress in your life. So you start acting a certain way. Instead of being that person, your new personality and your new behavior is this guy. And that's why a spouse will say to somebody else, you've changed. You used to be like this and now you're like this. It's probably somebody who's allowed active stress and not enough margin in their life for too long. Am I making sense? You look back at parenting and you go, oh my gosh, I just can't believe we've lost so many years with our kids and the parent that I am now is not who I wanted to be. Why? Because you've allowed too much active stress and it's changed the parent that you've wanted to be. I know I'm being really real in here and this is really truthful, but that's why it matters that we get our margins right. We find our rest in God and we, we allow God to be with us in the way that we lead and parent and, and, and walk in our marriage. Amen. Amen. Because it just, it, it becomes patterns. Uh, other things that we turn to with long-term active stress is because you're stressed and you're under pressure, you'll overspend. You'll overspend on money. It'll ruin. Too much stress will ruin your budget. You just make quick decisions and you don't study things and you compulsively go out and spend money because it, it just you feel for a moment that it alleviates and it can ruin. Same thing with overeating. Nothing is more understanding than a late-night pizza. Amen. <laughs> like, oh, I'm stressed. Let's talk to me, pepperoni. Let's have a pizza. Amen. <laughs> That's good, right, Brad? Some of you, cheeseburgers, whatever it is, but you get stressed, you get under pressure. Uh, I won't even bring up you ice cream people. You know, you're like even another level above the pizza people. But you get that bowl of ice cream and you're a step away from heaven, amen? <laughs> but stress will do that. And then, it, and then it wears on your body and all those kinds. I know this is really practical, but I'm, but I'm trying to tell you, it matters. Why does it matter? Because God's called us to number our days and spend them accordingly. And spending them accordingly is not living under the pressure of stress. Amen. Point number three, what you perceive to be stressful to you is. What you perceive, what you consider to be stressful to you is stressful. Why would I say it that way? Because many people in your life try to tell you what you should and shouldn't be stressed about. Uh, now, I'll say this. If it comes to your work, you can't go back to your boss and be like, 
pastor said, I can't be stressed. I'm not going to do any of this. It stresses me. I perceive it to be stressful to me. I'm not going to do it. Obviously, you sign up for things that require things of you. You need to figure that out. If you can't handle the role that you're in, then get out of that role. If it's something you, you understand what I'm saying? I can't go back to my newborn daughter, five, six months, six months old, whatever she is. I can't say, it's all a blur. Too stressed. Callie, you're stressing me out. What I perceive to be stress is stressing me. You got to knock this up, right? Some environments just require you to kind of just get over it. And you know what I'm talking about. But I'm talking more like this. I believe this, and this is what I've been learning. I believe you have natural giftings. We all agree with this. You have things in the natural that you're really good at. They just come natural to you. You're really good at it. Uh, so my daughter, she's <laughs> almost six, and she's, she's learning her words, and she loves drawing. She loves writing letters. She writes letters all the time. Um, I put on my clothes. I lift up my pillow. I just find everything, and there's just letters in everything. And, um, and it's great, except I got to keep them all. And so they're just everywhere. But so she's writing, 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 but she's not even quite six yet, so her handwriting's not all the way there. But uh, specifically over the weekend, she was really into writing me a letter and then me writing her a letter back, and she was specific about, like, what she wanted me to say back to her. She's like, write me a letter that says, like, this, <laughs> you know, like, like, okay, so I'm writing all these letters. So we were unpacking. We were away this weekend, and so we were unpacking, and Jess saw all the letters. She saw, like, the paper of the letters. And so when I came upstairs, she was laughing. Jess was, like, like laughing at it. And um, so I'm like, oh, it's so funny. And she's, like, laughing, and she doesn't say anything. And I look at it, and I realize my handwriting is the same as Caroline's, literally. <laughs> it's like you couldn't tell her she and then me. And uh, my natural gifting is not handwriting or art or crafting or anything like that. It's, it's not my natural emotionally, stressfully, emotionally, some people can handle environments naturally. They love the intensity, the pressure, the big group. They, they love all that stuff. It comes natural to them. Emotionally, they can handle that. Some people can't. Some people can't handle it. And so we need to help each other out when it comes to those environments. I think you're doing a huge disservice to your spouse or somebody else if you're saying, it's what we do. You need to do it. And you're for, am I making sense? I know that's kind of deep and, and, and whatever to, to kind of understand. But we need to be careful as we're interacting with each other and believing the best and helping each other grow. Uh, some things emotionally and situationally uh, just add so much more stress to one person than they do the other person. Are you with me? Some people like the loud, the big room. Some people like all the other quiet, hugging, kumbaya, right? Uh, you got to be careful, especially at the holidays. You got to be careful how you get around things. I was telling first service, Christmas brings on stress, the, the holidays, the food, who's doing it, what are we eating, all this kind of stuff. Then you got to plan to, how am I going to avoid the lady who kisses you, the aunt who kisses you? Do you guys have that lady? Nobody in this service. They had it last service. I, she's like a ghost, the kissing lady. You know, I come in, I got, I'm like getting on my truck thinking like, all right, if I carry so many things, if I look like a camel crossing the Himalaya, like if I'm just so loaded, she won't try to kiss because she kisses on the lips. And, uh, and so, and so I'm loaded, and then I get away with it, and then, like, you come around a corner, it's like, ghost, there she is, <laughs> lips out, like, didn't, <laughs> and then you got to kiss goodbye. I'm like, I don't even kiss Jess that much in a day. I don't want to kiss you that much. Yeah, Lou, we got to start a group or something. But situations... Just, you know, be careful about stresses and, and, and those kind of things. Yeah, that's where you got to just guard each other. Now, here's what I'll say. we got to grow, though, too, at the same time. I don't want us to enable somebody else's weakness by saying, oh, it's my stress. As much as I'm saying what you perceive, per, 
perceive to be a stress. What's a real stress to you is the thing you got to be conscious of, how much you can handle before you burn out, set boundaries. But at the same time, you got to be willing to grow and be, be flexible. Amen? Does that make sense? And so, and so that's the truth about stress is uh, don't enable each other and keep the bar low, but, but also guard each other in your schedule and in your paces. Uh, I'm a go person. I don't require a lot of sleep. I could be gone every single night of the week. So I'll leave a thing and I'll be like, oh, this was awesome. And Jess is passed out. The kids are passed out. I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? We were just, because <laughs> it just pace. It's just different for everybody. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. A little bit of time left. Four points, four quick points. When you're walking into a family situation, the rest of your year, whether you're setting boundaries, however you're handling stress, because we want to live God's best. Again, I know it's really practical, but it matters that we get this stuff right. And point number one, know who you're serving. Who are you here to serve? Are you here to keep the whole family happy? Are you here to keep you know, all the neighbors happy? Are you here to keep, uh, who are you serving? Who does it matter most that you serve and give your life to? John chapter five, verse 19. Jesus talking to the Pharisees gives them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, or sorry, this one isn't to the Pharisees. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. He's saying this, I'm making decisions about what I'm participating in based on if God tells me to do it because that's who I serve. I'm not going to let the pressure of the school board. I'm not going to let the pressure of the neighborhood community. I'm not going to, none of these pressures are going to be the people who get me to decide what I'm going to do. It matters that I hear from God to do it because I serve God. Does that make sense? That's the filter that you make your decision is, is, is this something God wants me to do? Matthew chapter six, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else to be added unto you. Put God first in every decision. Know who you're serving. We do this. Well, what are they going to think when we walk into that environment? Or what if we don't go? Or what if we don't do this? Or what if we don't do it the way they do it? Or what if we don't participate the way that they're all doing it? What are they going to think? It doesn't matter what they think. It matters what he thinks. Who are you serving? Who are you trying to please? Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God. Who are you serving? Your question should be this. Does this situation that I'm participating in, does this advance the kingdom of God or does it hurt the kingdom of God? Does this advance the kingdom of God in my family or does this hurt the kingdom of God in my family? And you start making decisions that way. If your kids, you get around certain people, well, you know, it's the one time of the year I'm with my brother, I'm with my sister, I'm with my, it's the one time of the year where, and you start acting crazy and you start talking like that and they start seeing you be like that. You start acting like a fool. Is that helping you advance the kingdom in your family or is it hurting you? Are you with me? The scripture says that we're called to number our days and spend them accordingly. So if you spend half of the next day at your Christmas season hungover, is that spending your days accordingly? No, that's wasting your days according to Coors Light. Are you with me? It's not advancing the kingdom of God. It's not advancing the kingdom of God in your family. If you have a headache until 4 p.m. the next day when you're supposed to be making memories with your family. I'm sorry, most of these notes were for first service, but... But we got to think, just because it's family, just because we only see them once a year, just because the da-da-da, we go big. No. You got to know who you're serving. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. What's the kingdom of God being built like in your family? Amen. Point number two, know your mission. When you're making decisions about boundaries and, and, and making margin and alleviating stress and being all God called you to do, you need to know what your mission is. John chapter 8, verse 14, in the Passion Translation. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. Jesus responded, just because I am the one making these claims doesn't mean they're invalid. 
for I absolutely know who I am, where I came from, and where I'm going. But you Pharisees have no idea about what I'm saying. Psychologists say the number one thing people want to know in their life is who am I, why am I here, and where am I going? If you can settle what your mission is, you'll be a lot more successful in your life. It will make these decisions about how to make margin, how to set boundaries, and how to eliminate stress, it'll make it a lot easier if you know your mission and you know who, why, and where you're going. Amen. It's, oh, we wouldn't stress about it. and wouldn't stress about it because you'd run it through the filter of what's my main mission. Jesus modeled this for us greatly. You can see all throughout the New Testament, the writers would say, on his way to Jerusalem, this thing would happen. On his way to Jerusalem, this thing would happen. And then on his way to Jerusalem, this thing would happen. As a matter of fact, one of the stories, you've heard me say this before, Jesus performs all these miracles. He's healing people. And then the townspeople come to him and say, hey, Jesus, good news. More people are coming here tomorrow. Uh, in the morning, they'll arrive. You can do more miracles. And Jesus says, nope, I got to leave. Turns his back on real needs says, I need to be on my way to Jerusalem because his biggest mission was that he gets to Jerusalem because he knew that's eventually where he'd be seized and led to the cross and all that kind of stuff. Uh, now, obviously those other needs were met. I don't believe he left those people hanging, but he literally had this filter of on my way to Jerusalem. We need to do the same thing. What's our mission? What's our why? And we make our decisions about that. Are you with me? We operate. I believe we're called as Christians to operate this way. We operate by priority and by purpose not by pressure. Everything you say yes or no to should be by priority. Goals you made, things you prayed about, structures that you set, it should be by priority or purpose, not by pressure. If you said yes to every single thing that pressured you, again, you'd just be so mild and such a, a low version of what God truly called you to be. Go to him in prayer, see what the father would have you do, and then do those things. Some of you aren't going to love this, but here's what you do. Because you know your mission and you have all of these things that you're trying to put together at Christmas, some of you may just have to delegate, which means somebody else makes the pies. <gasps> somebody else does the decorations. Hey, moms, maybe dad wraps the presents this year. <gasps> well, you say, no, no, I love doing all that stuff. I would never, I would never give that. I it's so much fun for me. Really? It doesn't look fun. <laughs> You're stressed. You're angry. Like you're all, and then all of a sudden Christmas is gone on you because you needed the perfectly wrapped present. You need the perfectly decorated table. Not everything has to look like Martha Stewart. Remember this, your kids want a happy mom, not a perfect mom. Your kids want a happy dad. You get it? So some things, know your mission. The mission is to be with family. Are you with me? The mission is to celebrate the Savior. The mission is to don't get all caught up in all the other stuff. Amen. Know your mission. And then sometimes we cop out of our mission. You, this is the mission and this is the goal. And we make all these excuses, as I said earlier, uh, well, stress and pressure. And so we make all these excuses for why we don't do the mission. Uh, and we cop out of it by, well, we don't want stress. We need margin. We got to be careful. And you end up accomplishing nothing. It's a balance. Does that make sense? Number three, we're all going to love this one, know when to rest. need to know when to rest because America is always telling us to slow down. America is always telling us to do a little bit less, right? No. They're always saying do more, achieve more, accomplish more, uh, go after more. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus talking to the disciples, 
Guys who were doing miracles, handkerchiefs were healing people that they touched. Their shadows were healing people that walked by them. The, the chosen 12, they were walking in the miraculous. And Jesus looked at them and said, hey, it's important that you guys even get rest. How many know it's important for us to get rest? Amen. Jesus modeled rest. We know in the scripture, he was resting in the bottom of the boat during a storm. We know the scripture said he went away to a solitary place and he got rest. We know uh, that he at the well, when you met the woman at the well, the scripture says that the disciples had gone before him and he said, I'm going to stay back and rest. If Jesus needed to rest, we need to rest. Here's the truth. Everything God created was created to have seasons of rest. Do you know that a field as it produces crop needs a season of rest? Everything God put in place is rest. Why? Because you've heard it before. We're human beings, not human doings. You're called to be, to be present in every atmosphere. Amen. But we have all of these things that we do to celebrate the season. It's get Christmas out. It's put the lights up. It's get the tree. It's make the cookies. Make it a Christmas cookie making party, of course. Put all that on social media. Shop, wrap presents, go to Christmas Eve, clean the house, make the meals, have Christmas, clean up, all the stuff that goes with that. We make it into this huge doing, 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 doing. We were at a water park this weekend, and I saw my cousin there. I didn't know he was going to be there. And, um, hey, dude, what's up, buddy? And then, uh, what are you doing? He's like, oh, our, our neighbors, like our neighbors, we, we all get together, and we come up here every year for Christmas. And I laughed out loud. I just thought, like, oh, my God, like, thinking of the sermon, like, I, you have so much time that you can literally, like, Go to the water park with your neighborhood. For, and I'm not like judging any of you if you do that. But I just was thinking to myself, like all of these things. Some, somebody in a room sat around somewhere and was like, you know what the neighborhood needs to do? We need to do that. And maybe you do that. But it blew my mind. But that's what this culture does. Party everything. Office party, team party, all these party parties. You've got to know our margin. we we, we got to know our limits for rest. I love what the prophet Kenny Rogers says in the book of The Gambler. <laughs> a lot of people don't know about this book and chapter, but he says this so profoundly. It's such a strong word. He says this, sometimes you got to know when to hold them. Know when to, yep. Even better, you got to know when to, well, and then really you got to know when to, yeah. Because there's just some stuff you got to push away from the table. Thank God for Kenny Rogers and that. Because our mindset has got to be, I'm out on this. There's definitely stuff you stay in on. But there's some stuff you got to know when to say, I need rest here. I'll close with this. Last point, number four, is know your lifeline. you got to know your life. You're walking into these situations. You're walking into all this kind of stuff. And stress happens and a memory comes up or a person you see, all this stuff happens. When you need that lifeline person, you got to know what it is. Not in our own strength, not in our own might. That's when you got to go, God, I know you're with me in this. And he'll get you. Amen? Mark chapter 1, verse 35, speaking of Jesus, said, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, a quiet place, where he prayed. But think about this. Jesus made it a priority to go pray, but he wasn't dealing with guilt. He wasn't going to go deal with the sin. He wasn't going to go deal with the failure. A lot of times we go to prayer because we got this thing, this thing. He 
Jesus understood his lifeline in his daily walk was relationship with the Father. He said, I got to get a quiet place, a restful place, a space where I can go pray, I can go talk. Maybe you're heading into a season or a party or you've lost somebody and you're worried about how it's going to be. Make a worship playlist. Head into that atmosphere worshiped up, if that's a word. <laughs> Put three or four or five songs on there. Maddie will follow you around if you want her to. She'll, she'll just take her guitar. See, she does it for me, just playing behind me. She's at dinner, she's back there. <laughs> but worship it up, worship it up. Go in there, worship it up. God's going to honor that. He's Emmanuel, he's God with you. Pray it up, go in there, ask for God's power. Go in there, pray it up. Pray into these next few days, pray it up. A lot of times we just don't. It's not that God won't, it's just that we don't. Worship it up, pray it up, ask for God's help in it, and he will do it, amen? First Peter chapter five, verse six, a little bit of a long scripture, but it's the Passion Translation again. But I want you to read this, I want you to hear this promise. It says this, if you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you he will, he will exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. As you bow low in his presence, he will exalt you as you leave the timing up to him. Pour out all of your worries and stress upon him and leave them there for he always tenderly cares for you. That's all he's looking for us to do is not handle all these things on our own. He wants Emmanuel, God with us to be the one to handle this goes on to say things like take a decisive stand against the enemy, resist every attack, be strong and vigorous in your faith. But I love at the end, it says that he will set you firmly in place and build you up. And he has all the power needed to do this forever. Amen. Whatever stress, whatever pressure, whatever anxiety, whatever out of balance thing is in your life, God has everything you need when we lay it at his feet. 